0: The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International.
1: Safety, comfort, and ease is not anywhere in any gospel that I read. There is no risk-free living. Jesus says, drop your nets and follow. All bets are off. I'm not taking you to safety. In fact, but I'm taking you on an adventure, and I'm taking you to freedom, and freedom is not safe.
0: Coming up on Life Today, author and speaker Christine Kane helps you understand how to break free from the clutches of shame and start living your destiny.
2: to life today. I'm Sheila Walsh, James and Betty. We just decided we'd give them the day off. But I'm so thrilled I get to spend some time with one of my favorite people on the planet. In fact, of those other planets, I'm still going (laughs) to like her better. Um, And I have to tell you, my son, there is no one on this planet, literally not a single person on this planet, that my son, who is a godly, strong, amazing man, respects more than my guest. She has impacted his life. And for that, as a mom, I'll be profoundly grateful till the day I see Jesus. So please, help me give a great welcome to the one and only Christine Kane. Oh, I
1: love you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Oh, awesome, on. awesome. Your son is a wise young man.
1: Obviously. He's <laughs> clearly <laughs> a
2: wise young man. It. But yeah. you know, I was saying to him today, um, I was talking to him while I was driving home from a and that you and I met here at Life Today Studios. Oh, yeah. We happened, I didn't know you. We were booked to be on the same evening taping shows and I saw you in makeup and there was something about you that I immediately thought, I don't know who this girl is, but I love her.
1: Yeah, it was the same with, I was listening to you on this show and um, I was out the back watching you on TV. And um, I just knew, I mean, who would have known that God would do what he's done with our friendship and just our, you know what has happened over these last many, many years. Um, but here we are again. I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know what's brilliant, Chris? Your new book, Unashamed, Drop the Baggage, Pick Up Your Freedom, Fulfill Your Destiny. Um, I was privileged to get a copy early and to read it. And I think it's... I mean, I love all your books. I think it's the best thing you've ever written. But it is profoundly honest and transparent. I think right. you have opened a door of hope for yeah. a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I hope so.
2: Yeah. Let me ask you a question, because I think when when people know you, they see you as this fearless woman who will go anywhere that God tells her to go yeah but as I read the beginning of your story you set a scene of what it's like first day in kindergarten you're so excited to go and suddenly everything shifts what happened that day
1: you know it was um my parents um came over from Alexandria Egypt my grandparents were from Greece and so we were immigrants into Australia and um there's something about it you know when often when uh people move to another country, they actually become even more protective about their country of origin. So we were so Greek. I didn't speak English until I was five. I I only spoke Greek at home. And so here I am, this little Greek immigrant kid, think my big fat Greek wedding, my (laughs) big fat Greek life, you know. So um, I'm going to school with what I think is like a normal lunch. You know, I've got my feta cheese sandwiches, my olives, um, you know, just a good healthy Greek food that now people... Love. Yeah, love. But back then, not so much. And, um, and you know, my, my Aussie kids would have this, this substance called Vegemite. It's a paste that you put on. And, you know, that's the Aussie thing, which is everything feta cheese is not. And so I remember being the only kid at lunch eating a feta cheese. For the first time in my life, I was the only one, you know, because when you're at home, you're at home. And the kids would just kind of mock and ridicule either the smell of the feta, the garlic, the, and, and be very derogatory in terms of, uh, because I would have had a thick accent, you know, um, in my English. And so they were very negative, very critical. And it was then, you know, you sort of become ashamed of who you are. And so I, you know, another way of going into hiding, I remember taking my lunch every day and throwing it out as soon as I got to school so that I wouldn't have to open that lunch, you know, um, at school. It's just kind of amazing how- That's, that's heartbreaking. heartbreaking. And I guess you felt you didn't want to tell your mom because you didn't want to
2: hurt yeah, her feelings? Yeah, because she
1: wouldn't have understood. It's like, you know, we'll just go and be tougher than all the kids. Well, you know, at five, you're an immigrant kid, you're not tougher than anybody kind of thing. So. What did that do to you in sight? Well, I think it devastated because, you know, at that point, Sheila, the abuse had already started happening in my... Sexual um, abuse. Sexual abuse in my life. So, so, you know, I already was carrying shame from all of that. Um, So you're living a lie anyway. You're hiding um, there. Then I have this happen, and so culturally there's this hiding. Then as a woman um, kind of, you know, being a Greek woman, women were not encouraged to do, you know, a woman's highest thing was to get married and have babies. And so a Greek mother sort of thinking, you know, why do you need to go to school anyway kind of thing? You know, you just um, and I would be I remember, Sheila, that I, you know, I always excelled at school, but I was kind of like a Greek Orthodox mother's nightmare. You know, my mum wanted me to do ballet. I love soccer. Uh, She wanted me to play with Barbie dolls. I read books and, you know, it was like all this reading, Christine. Why do you need a brain for no man's going to want to marry you if you're too intelligent? I would always get that. No man will want to marry you if you're too smart. And um, and I remember we would have grades at school. Grade 1 is the highest grade. Grade 5 was the lowest. And I would get straight 1s. And I would, on the way home, holding my report card with the same colour pen, I would change the grade 1 to a grade 4 or a grade 5. I'd, I'd go over it so that when I brought my report card home, it wouldn't look like I got high grades. Because so that would make your mother feel better? Yeah, you did- and so then I wouldn't have to get the, you know, well, why are you... And so I remember it was just um, who I was, it was being attacked. And, you know, In fact, I was betrothed to a Greek man um, at 18. And because I wanted to go to university, he owned a uh, fish and chip shop and um, and it had kind of sort of some small goods there. And she said to me, his mother, that if you're going to marry my son, uh, you cannot go to university. You have to come and you know, make fish and chips, um, because you cannot be more educated than my son. So, you know, suffice it to say, I went to university, but, you know, it was like... Much (laughs) though I love fish and chips, there's there's a
2: limit, Yeah. yeah. You know what's interesting though? I can see there's two threads, as I read your book, there's two threads throughout your life, the incredible faithfulness and calling of God on your life, yeah. but this attack from the enemy to silence your voice. Definitely. Because at school, you learned you just don't speak up, that, that the natural leadership that you were beginning to
1: exhibit was something you had to squelch. Well, totally, I, I remember, you know, five years old, six years old, I think, I was in year, second grade and so we in Australia, you get a report card mid-year, which is June, um, and then you get the end of year in December, report card. So in the mid-year, I had all my little grades and then uh, the teacher had written, um, Christine shows a lot of potential, but she has to learn that she can't always be the leader. And it was... I remember looking at it, And, of course, I was already so damaged from the abuse, the cultural just being called derogatory names all the time. The one place that I felt... Good was in terms of my academics, like school, um, you know, I could, well, the stuff that was going on at home, I could avoid that. And then so here's the one thing that had made me feel good about myself and that was being attacked. Um, and so you could tell that I must have changed and internalised that because then on that same report card in December, it says, um, Christine has had a wonderful year. She has settled down very well. And you just go there. Yeah, (laughs) I know. You just go. So it's like, you know, but let's put you in a box. Um, So, you know, the the root of shame makes you feel fundamentally unworthy anyway. You know, when you're being abused initially, uh, you think what's happening to you is wrong. But when it happens for a really long time, you start thinking there's something wrong with me. That's why it's happening. And so you go into hiding. And um, I spent most of my life hiding who I was, minimising. Okay, don't be too much for people. Don't be too smart. And then, you know, um, I got saved. And praise the Lord, I, I got saved into a culture that affirmed women. But, you know, I ministered to the broader Christian church across the globe. And certainly it's not like that. And I find that often Jesus, who was the greatest liberator of women, often Women can feel even more shame in churches and if they failed and I have so many friends that either went through a divorce or had an abortion or or failed in a business venture or perhaps just something happened to them and the shame that they hide in, the devastate, the one place where you should feel safe, where we should be able to say shame off you, we in fact go shame on you. And I'm sure even my biological mother, I'm left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted because in 1966 in Australia, if you're a 23 year old Greek single woman, the shame of getting pregnant outside of wedlock. um, And then so, you know, the child was conceived in shame, was left in a hospital in shame my parents adopted me and never told us because they were ashamed for 33 years so it was there you know and you go back to genesis 2 25 where the lord says you know adam and eve were naked and they felt no shame so the fact that the lord puts in the scripture That we're not meant to feel shame and that the enemy by then one chapter later, makes sure that as soon as Eve blows it, as soon as Adam and Eve blow it, the first recorded conversation in Scripture, God, Adam, where are you? I think God's still saying that to us today. Why are you all hiding? And we're like, I'm naked, afraid. And so I hid. And so that shame makes us hide from God rather than run to God. And I came from a very staunch religious culture. And so as if God doesn't know everything. So we can talk about the sovereignty of God. We can talk about the power of God. But I don't know that we really believe it because we spend most of our life hiding from this sovereign, omniscient God that we talk about and sing to as if he somehow doesn't know. And um, he still loves it. It took me so long, Sheila, and I hope the book helps people not take as long as I did because I've never known a time where I, I didn't feel shame and it really took me way too long to be able to truly believe that God would wholeheartedly accept me despite not only what had been done to me, let me just say, I brought a whole lot of stuff to the table that I can't blame on anyone else that, you know, I've got got my own book of things that I did um, and patterns of destructive behaviour and just things that I did. And so um, the enemy just heaps shame upon shame. Our world heaps shame upon shame. The internet, you stay on it long enough tells you you're not pretty enough, you're not smart enough, you're not thin enough, you're not rich enough, you're not talented enough, you're not gifted enough. And even when you think you're doing better, then you scroll on someone else's doing even better. And and I think we have a shaming culture. We put it all out there on the internet. We don't cover anybody and love covers a multitude of sin. And I think we in the body have to get much better in grace and love to cover one another rather than shame one another.
2: One of the things I love, so much about you, you and your husband Nick, the way you work together, and yeah. your beautiful daughters Sophie and Catherine. Um, but I wondered when you first met Nick,
1: were you able to tell him your history, or were you too ashamed? Yeah, I, well, to I, I, I was. I, I hadn't told him. I was sort of a big picture kind of paintbrush. You know, I, I, I was abused. Kind of that. That was it. Like. The fact that I even said that word and I said it all in one sentence, there's 20 years of my life, great. You know, as if like, um, I don't know what planet I was on, but I have to say, I actually, this is why I go so into processing the book, because I really did think okay, I've prayed a sinner's prayer, I am saved, it is under the blood, let's move on. Yeah. I'm mean, a new creation. And, but I really did believe it. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I wish it was, like... Well, that be easy. nice, yeah. It is theologically true, but there is a natural path you've got to walk through. And so I didn't realise why I kept tripping over. I'd have five good days, six bad days, three good weeks, four bad weeks. Like, I felt like a yo-yo Christian. And then I just kept feeling more shame because I would try to pray more. And if I just would fast more, and if I would just do more good works in the church... Because I, I was sincere that I wanted to walk in freedom. I just didn't know um, how. And I didn't even really know there was nothing wrong because I d- hadn't understood the difference between my soul and my spirit. But wow. although my spirit was born again, I came to Christ with a wounded soul. Mm. And my soul was still wounded when I said the sinner's prayer. And so, um, and what I had done was I, I sort of visited with God on Sunday and visited with God on Wednesday night. But the Bible says in John one fourteen, the word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. But I'm thinking... God's not going to want to move into this neighbourhood because this is a really messed up neighbourhood, and um, and then I got to Nick and I um, were just about to get engaged, where then you would realise I would have to really be in his neighbourhood because you like live together, <laughs> and when you live together, it's so generally um, accepted. You, you generally, yeah, and it's like um, so, so you got nowhere to run then, you know, and I, I started to become. Panicky. That this is going to mean, like, because I, I had my, I wasn't living a double life, but I was living a controlled life. Sure. So that that was the Shame it Shame and
2: control can, go very much go hand in together. Hand. And
1: yeah. once you get married, you've lost a degree of control. You're giving it to someone else. And so, um, while I did my ministry. I was an evangelist. um, And, you know, it was great. Then I could go home and there was nobody else that was going to unravel me or force me to unravel or to deal with my soul. Because, again, I was great at visiting with God, but I had to let God move into the neighborhood. And, you know, when you're a visitor, when you have a visitor, what do you do? You clean up your house. You um, get all the kids dirty underwear, hide them in the cupboards. You know, you go go into the bathroom, you get rid of the, the, the... um, sandpaper and put really nice soft toilet paper you know it's all really nice and you get the good cookies and the good but if the kids touch it they're dead because that's for the visitors everything is great and the visitor comes they sit everyone's lovely and we're all sweet and you know the kids have already been told no Christmas presents forever if you fight so everyone is you know it's all lovely and then the visitor leaves and like World War Three breaks out at home you know like off it goes well I think we do that with God in, in the same way is that we could be having a Full-on fight on the way to church. Well, maybe not here in America, but just oh, yes, in Australia. Trust me. You know, Don't like, ask okay, me how okay, I know okay. this. Just trust me that I do. full-on fight. I mean, you said many words that are not in the Bible, and um, and uh, you pull into the church parking lot, and it's like that spirit of hypocrisy. It just mm-hmm. it just hits. So you go into the foyer. I mean, you've now nearly committed murder, and you're like, um, you know, how are you? And you're like, bless God. You know, I'm redeemed and sanctified and justified by the blood of the Lamb. And here is my cherubim and seraphim, and they're going into church. And, and and you get into worship and you're thinking of the ways you're going to kill your partner. You know what? It's just like and you get in the car. You, I mean, you've put on your show. You get into the car. and Did you hear what the pastor said? It was awful. And, and And normally you're okay. You might even be able to still be a Christian by Sunday night. But by Tuesday, oh, your evil twin off. is our... And it's it's okay. And most of us then are just so shamed yeah. by ourselves that we just can't win.
2: One other thing... I, Honestly, I mean, if you know Chris, you know this, we could do 15 shows and not cover. (laughs) But in this book, I mean, you really walk us through. If you have dealt with shame, Chris will walk you through the process because, you know, um, it's a process. But you have offered that. But on this um, living your destiny, your message is the safety myth.
1: Yes. What is that about? Well, that's because I think a lot of us have got erroneous theology. We think Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on a cross and rose again from the dead to make my life safe, nice and comfortable. I'm not sure that God gave his son for that reason. I think God gave his son to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And so for that reason, the safety, comfort and ease is not anywhere in any gospel that I read. There is no risk free living. Jesus says, drop your nets and follow All bets are off. I'm not taking you to safety, in fact, but I'm taking you on an adventure and I'm taking you to freedom and freedom is not safe. Mm -hmm. But you know what I love? I
2: love the fact that everything the enemy has tried to do to you, God has brought such wealth from it. I remember when you were struggling with your throat cancer and then you got through that. And I remember Nick saying, you know, the enemy really blew it. I mean, he just, if he really wanted to get her, he should have killed her.
1: Now he's just made her mad, you know. <laughs> totally. And I think it's like with all of our life and, you know, here we are rescuing the victims of human trafficking and a lot of that stories about that. Like, you know, Jesus not only rescued me from a shame-filled life and um, from abuse and pain and being abandoned at birth and um, being adopted, but then he's also used me to rescue others, which is true redemption. That's what's yeah. more than a conqueror is. That um, It's its like that the very thing the enemy meant for evil. God has worked together for good. And I think we have to understand that What and the only way ultimately we do that, otherwise we will live as victims of our past forever and our, our history will define our destiny unless we make a decision to make what Jesus Christ did for us bigger than what anyone else has done to us. And so when you make what someone has done to you or said to you bigger than what Jesus has done for you, you will live in shame for the rest of your life. But when you make what Jesus did for you greater than what anyone has done to you, then you can rise up, change your posture, and walk with your head held high into the fullness of the future that he's got for you.
2: That is fantastic, fantastic. I believe this is a message that literally will be life-changing. It's something we want to make available for you. And here's what we'd like to ask you to do. We have this phenomenal opportunity every month. You might not even know about it, but every month we have the opportunity to support getting a film into villages in India, teaching them for the very first time about Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Watch this.
0: The culture and history of India is filled with numerous false gods and idolatry. Muslim and Hindu traditions are prominent among the one billion people in this rapidly developing country. But over the past several decades, the Christian Church in India has experienced a miraculous revival. Thousands of people are turning away from false gods and are being transformed by the love of Jesus Christ.
3: The Lord gave me a vision to take the Gospel on the big screen into the villages of India. And most of the people in this village are day laborers, they're uh, very poor, but they are precious in God's sight. And their children and uh, moms and dads and uncles and aunts were here uh, watching this beautiful movie, Daya Sagan. And a number of the people in the crowd responded, yes, I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Film evangelism has proven to be very effective in communicating the gospel to those unable to read. After seeing the sacrifice and love of Jesus for the first time in their lives, hearts and souls are changed forever.
3: Actually, when they see this film, they can visualize the reality and the saving power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is no longer a foreign god to them because of this film.
1: I had to raise my hand when invitation was given. What else I could do when He died in my place?
3: We today have the opportunity to share the gospel with these who worship idols and see them realize that Jesus, the Son of God, is their Savior. And they will turn their eyes from idols and serve the true and living God. Will you do all that you can right now? There are many thousands of villages waiting for someone to sponsor our teams to enter that village and change their lives forever.
2: Isn't that amazing? I love what you said. I mean, I had to raise my hand. What else could I do when I heard that God died for me? You see, a billion people who've been told there's all sorts of gods out there who all want you to do something for them. We get the opportunity to bring the truth of the one true God who did everything for us. And the first time that they see this movie, they're so overwhelmed by the beauty of such a sacrifice that literally there's a beginning of a revival happening in India. But I I love this team, I've worked with them before, I've known them for years, and we need to get behind them. You know, we do this all the time at Life Today, every month, but we don't always bring you news about it. And that's why this is really special, because while God is moving in India, let's join in. And, And it's so simple to do, $40 will allow 400 people to see the movie. 40 bucks. 120, you will let 1,200 people see this movie. Or perhaps you think, you know, I want to do more. $4,400 sets up a whole team to go into a village to set up. And the amazing thing about the Indian people is they are movie fans. If you tell these people in a remote village, hey, tonight we're showing a movie, they will all come out. But honestly, it's amazing. When they see the story for the first time, when they understand that here is a God who died for them, they are coming to Christ in the droves. And you and I can help. We can do so much. So what I'd like to ask you to do is would you go to your phone and make a pledge right now? $40, 400 people will see the movie. $80, 800 people. It's amazing. And if you think you could do more, 4,400 will set up a team and they get there however they can. They crawl over stones, they take their bikes, they do whatever they have to do to let these people see for the first time the true story of a God who loves them. We want to join hands with these people and say, yeah, we want to make sure that this keeps going to all one billion people in India have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. What an amazing privilege. So for any gift at all, we will send you Living Your Destiny, this amazing CD teaching series so you can discover who you are in Christ. And for a gift of $120 or more, we will send you my book, The Longing in Me, How Everything You Crave Leads to the Heart of God, and my dear friend Christine Kane's book, Unashamed. Thank you so much. So please, would you join with us? You know, just go to your phone, dial that number on your screen, give the best gift you possibly can. Or if you like to go online, that's great. Go online, lifetoday.org. If you're sending a check, would you just give us a call and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. So we know and we can get back to our teams in India and say, hey, help is on the way. The good news of Jesus Christ is It's like a fire, it's like catching fire all over India. So let's do something. Let's do something in Jesus' name to let people who think there is no God who sees them know, yes, he doesn't just see you, he died for
3: you.
0: Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In a nation filled with so much poverty and spiritual darkness, Life Outreach has partnered with John Gilman to present a powerful motion picture on the life of Christ that displays His miracles and demonstrates His love to the people of India. With your support, 2.4 million souls who are looking for our Savior's love will be reached with this unique outreach. While the number is great, the cost to present the gospel message is only 10 cents per person. That means your gift of $40 will share the light of God's love with 400 people. $80 will help share the film with 800 people. $120 will share the film with 1,200 people. And $1,000 will help reach 10,000 people with the life-changing message of the gospel. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the exclusive audio CD series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $120 or more to help reach 1,200 people with the gospel through Film Evangelism, you may also request two outstanding books, The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. Please call, write, or make your gift online today.
3: Dear friends of LOI, James and Betty, I don't know how to say thank you. We've been partners now for years, and uh, your investments in India and our film teams has helped to reach millions of people. And on behalf of the hundreds and hundreds of young men and women that are going out nightly and showing this powerful movie, Daya Saga, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. A great harvest of souls is being won. We have over 515 teams going out nightly, and I just met 400 or more new recruits who said, with passion, we want to go into the villages of India. Thank you for what you have done all these years. It's your investment that's helping to make this possible. Your prayers. Thank you, friends and partners of Life Outreach International.
2: One of the greatest deliverances in my own life has been God delivering me from shame, but I have to tell you, I learned some fresh stuff here in Unashamed by Christine Kane. Please, would you help me thank the one and only Christine Kane? Love, love you. Love you, love, love you. you, love you. And thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. Life. The last time I ever looked in my father's eyes was turning in time to see him about to bring his cane down in my skull.
0: Sheila Walsh, Tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.